Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another Pit Panther Rants, another Sportsman's Podcast. Vlad Harris, your host, brought to you by the Sports Drink. Well, happy Friday, guys, and... You know, it's been months since I've recorded a podcast, just was busy with work, you know, you know, I don't get paid to do this. So, yeah, so I, you know, obviously had to prioritize my actual job instead of, uh, you know, this, but. We can talk about a whole bunch of stuff that's happened. I'm not going to get too deep into this because it's really not, well, it's pointless and not productive, but I'm going to go through anyway just to show some things. Now, Pitt, as you all know, concluded their football season, and it was a pretty disappointing season at that. Well, not pretty. It was very disappointing. You know, after the after that win at the Sun Bowl, things may have started to look up for us, and it just fell apart. Now, you know, they opened their season with a whatever Wofford. Everything seemed in place. Then, of course, Cincinnati and West Virginia happened. And the offense, you know, you know, with Waffer, I saw some really good things on offense, and then just it just got worse as time progressed. Last time I podcast, Phil Jerkovic was out at QB, replaced with Christian Valer, Valu, or whatever you want to pronounce it. And when that happened, Pitt pulled off an upset of uh, Louisville who was ranked in the top 15th at the time. I think they finished 19th. I don't know. I don't have the stags in front of me, but they were ranked. They go the next week against Wake Forest. Lost that game, which was a heartbreaker. They had some opportunities. I mean, Wake, I think, was starting their backup, I believe, or third string, if I remember correctly, and Pitt struggled all game with them. And by the time Pitt woke up, you know, Wake took the lead and Pitt got robbed on some uh, on some bad calls. And my thing is, is you don't go to a blue, well, they're not really a blue blood. They're just an, a traditional ACC, ACC team. You don't go down Tobacco Road and expect, you know, you're going to get calls all the time. And I said that, you know, 
you can't put yourself in these positions like this. You know, Pitt's been in this league for too long. Where you, you know, it doesn't mean they have to be perfect. You know, but you can't. You know, I understand people's anger and frustrations with that loss because I, you know, I made the comment that, or the tweet I should say about it. I got a lot of uh, brushback, which I totally understand. And you know what? You all had every right to be upset still and still be mad at the officiating. Because, let's be honest, that was one of the few games we had a chance to win. And after that, the, after that loss, the season pretty much fell apart. Pitt goes to Notre Dame the next week. And they get the short 58 to 7, which is pretty much the low point of the season. Uh, Noah Hiles made a tweet, and I guess, and from what I remember, it was it, the tweet itself was incomplete. I guess he quoted Pat Narduzzi, and the quote really wasn't a complete quote. And Noah took a lot of heat for it. Because, you know, as Pitt fans, we all know, in our history of being Pitt fans, especially with the local media in Pittsburgh, we get a feeling that that the media tends to be pro-Penn State, pro-Big Ten, anti-Pitt at times. And um, people were saying that, you know, Noah made this tweet and he was doing this to, you know, to create more, you know, friction in the football program. And I hate to say this, but Pitt was having these issues long before Noah made that tweet. If there was an opportunity, if there was a time where Pitt, where Penn or Duzan may have lost the football team, it was probably when they lost to Wake Forest, where Wake had their second or third string QB. Pitt's offense struggled all game, and they end up losing that game. So, I mean, I felt if Penner Doozy did lose the football team, it was probably when they lost that game. Because, they, I mean, Notre Dame, they, had, they were out of it from the beginning. They had no chance and, well, no chance in hell. Quoting some WWE type stuff. Next week, they've put, the next week they play... Florida State, and they played their hearts out. But again, the offense couldn't do anything. Then, of course, they lose to Syracuse. And Pitt, no matter how things are bleak, how bad, you know, how bleak things are, Pitt tends to beat Syracuse. And they didn't do it. Then, you know, if we pull out a wing against BC, then we close out losing to Duke. And Duke was without their starting quarterback, I believe. In fact, let's take a look at that box score. Why don't we? I think Riley Leonard was up, was out. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was out in that game too. So that should tell you enough. Yeah, Pitt lost to a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Yeah, let's see here. Well, you know, Nasty Nate played. Uh, that's another. Yeah, Grayson Lofus was the quarterback. Yeah, Pitt went through a QB carousel. Christian Valu or Valaire or whatever. 
he struggles against Notre Dame. They lot, you know, we go with Nate Yarnell, who beats Boston College, and he looked, a, you know, Nate looked a lot better than the other two quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, it really didn't matter. And of course, as the season concluded, we um, parted ways with Frank Sanetti Jr. And, you know, I loved him in the first go-around at Pitt. I mean, that offense in 2009 was just something else. But if you look at that that whole, that whole that team, a good bit of those guys had at least a cup of coffee in the, in the NFL. I mean, we had a really good offensive line. Bill Stoll, he had a uh, cup of coffee in the NFL. So did uh, Nate Byam, Doran Dickerson, uh, Dion Lewis played played had some productive years in the NFL. Ray Graham, you know he was practice squad I believe at one point. What I mean, if he doesn't get injured, he probably would have had you know a productive career. Jonathan Ball was a first round pick, but then the next year the offense with Tino Sanceri struggled. And it depends what kind of uh, offense you were going to get with Frank Sinetti. Was it going to be the one in 2009, or was it going to be one in 2010 where, st- you know, where shit was bad? And unfortunately, we ended up getting the offense that was bad. You know, we had, I mean, last year we had some bright spots, and that was mainly because we had Izzy, you know, Abacanada. You know, we had an NFL running back, basically, who pretty much without him, he pretty much saved the season for you know for Pitt, and um, of course Nick Patty and his performance. But we you know I thought after that bull performance and with better QB play things would get better. Uh, the spring game came around and I wasn't crazy about Phil Jerkovic. I just I felt like his reads were slow and his release was slow as well. He wasn't getting the ball out quick enough. But when I saw him as Wofford, he just looked great. But again, that was Wofford. And he just, you know, whatever. It just never happened after that. I mean, we want we wanted to have that story where the kid comes from the Whippeole. Comes back home and does big good things at Pitt. And it's, it, it didn't happen. So, I mean... It sucked that they got booed, but that's what happens when the offense was bad. I mean, when you're struggling to score more than 20 points in a game, I mean, if you look at Pitt's final um, six games, they scored 17 against Wake Forest, seven against Notre Dame, uh, seven against Florida State, and, of course, my um, screensaver went off, Uh, 13 against Syracuse, 24 against Boston College, and 19 against Duke. Uh, when you're putting those kind of numbers up, you're not going to win a lot of football games. You may win some playing in the NFL, maybe, or in the Big Ten, but definitely not in college these days. In college, you got to actually score points to win games. I mean, that's nothing too groundbreaking. But of course, when the season was over. Frank Sinetti's gone. 
Andre Powell is gone. Uh, Borbley is gone. And Tim Salem was gone. So, you know, Tim Salem was a long timer. He was there from 2015. But in terms of the program, you've got to make changes. And this was one of those ones where they had to make changes. The NIL Collective, I guess, raised a million dollars. So the commitment is there. You know, things are being done. It just, you know, we have to see what happens next year. I mean, we got we have a whole new offense coming. I mean, Cade Bell, we hired him. And it looks like we're going to modernize the offense a little bit. I mean, it felt like Frank Sinead was trying to do that towards the end, but it was just bad. And there's just so much to address. I mean, offensive line wasn't great either. It hasn't been for a while. It just they haven't been performing. We had a uh, pro running back at Ronnie Hammond Jr. We were we weren't using him. I mean, we had you know a strong running game. We just didn't use it enough, I believe. And but then again, when your passing game is very mediocre. You know, like, you know, from QB play to offensive line play, and of course the receivers dropping passes. It's just, you know, it's just bad. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's pretty much the pit football season in a nutshell. Um, you know, we did lose some players in the portal, and of course, some did come back. And you know, for some that came back, even if they left, I would, I totally understand where they're coming from. But it's great to have him back. I'm not sure what happens after this, but I'm not going to spend too much energy on this. Now, as we get to the rest of the ACC overall as a conference, you know, North Carolina basically did North Carolina things. They came in overly hyped and, of course, fell pretty short of their expectations. Virginia Tech was a surprise this year. You know, they did pretty well. I mean, I'll give them that. In fact, let me look at the ACC standings. Now, Florida State was the was obviously the, the winner. They went undefeated. Louisville was second. NC State was three. Louisville was the big surprise to me, I think. And same for Virginia Tech. North Carolina State... Basically, did North Carolina State things. They came in as supposedly a challenger to the conference. Didn't do it. They, you know, but they they got their routine nine-win season like they always do. Georgia Tech, you know, was seven-six this year. They were a big surprise. Clemson, Debo's got to figure things out. I mean, he ever since you know Trevor Lawrence graduated, Clemson's offense has been a mess. North Carolina did North Carolina things as as I said before. They were picked the finish in the top two. Well, at least I picked them to finish top two, if I remember correctly. They finished seventh. Duke ended up eight and five. Miami finished seven six, but three and five overall in the conference, which is pretty much routine for Miami. Pitt finished near the bottom. In fact, they finished thirteenth uh, out of fourteenth. But uh did the college football committee get it right with the uh, playoffs? I felt they didn't. 
because I felt Florida State met all the requirements. They did they did their work. But the committee obviously left them out because of their quarterback situation. And I'm sure it came down to money because they were they were going to go to the Rose Bowl to play Michigan. And I'm sure people aren't going to watch that. So that's why Bama got in. And Texas got in as well. The national title game was held in Houston, Texas. So there's your answer there as to probably why Texas got in. I mean, yeah, they, they only had one loss. But I think this uh, this whole thing was all about selling tickets and TV ratings. And that's pretty much what happened. Although I will say when Texas was in the, the group of four, the tickets were like 2000 to $3,000 in peanut heaven. And when Texas got eliminated, it was Washington and Michigan. The tickets were about close to 1000 they were not, I think the cheapest one I saw was $977. So that pretty much tells you, you know, how much, you know, what was going on there. And we look at the Steelers. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with the whole college football thing. Although I could say that um, I will, you know what, I need to get back on Florida State. Uh, as you all know, they're trying to find their way out of the ACC. I mean... I understand the whole TV money thing. But if you look at the ACC deal, the money goes up every year. And the ACC obviously had no choice but to expand after what happened with the mess with the um, Pac-2 or Pac-12 or whatever it is now. I think the Pac-12 may have jumped the gun as a whole by leaving because... If you look at it right now, especially how the NFL is, almost every other every week we're we're trying to find games on TV, and it's always on Peacock, it's always on Prime. It's like you're going, you're flipping on your uh, YouTube TV or Sling or your cable, and you're like, where the hell's the game at? And then you're like, oh, it's on Peacock. Oh. It's on ESPN Plus. Oh, it's on Prime. That's just the new way of the world now. Is it, excuse me, is it getting annoying? Kind of, yeah, especially with the NFL, it's getting annoying. But that's where we're going now, and that's where we're going to see more and more stuff go in the streaming because I don't really see the NFL, not the NFL, like the, the networks like ESPN or whatnot being able to keep up with all this. I mean, they have to pay for, I mean, ESPN in particular has to pay for the SEC. They got paid for, you know, whatever deals with it. they have with the NBA, the NFL. So, you know, it's a good possibility they may have jumped the gun on this, but we'll never, we'll never know now because Washington, Oregon took reduced deals to go to the Big Ten. And Arizona, Arizona State, Utah hopped on the uh, the Big 12. And Cal Stanford and SMU went to ACC. And they all went on reduced deals. Uh, money is not an object for, the, for SMU, as you've all seen. They've got very, very wealthy donors. 
and Florida State's suing because they said that SMU wasn't a viable, you know, expansion partner. Well, and they and they couldn't get into the Big Twelve. Well, there's a big reason for that that SMU couldn't get in. Uh, let's see, the Big Twelve for the longest time was Texas, Texas A and M, you know. Baylor, Texas Tech, then, of course, it became Texas, Baylor, TCU, Houston. So there's a big reason uh, SMU couldn't get in. All the Texas schools didn't want them in, and and if you look at the history with all this, now that they're in the ACC and they're in 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 the P5, They have a selling point for a lot of these recruits in these areas, in those areas. You know, if you remember the whole SMU scandal, they're gonna start, they're gonna start dishing on money like it's nothing. So, anyways, that's what we got there. So, but uh, ACC from a from a um, survival standpoint, had to do what it had to do. Because there's a way you can break that grant of rights and things when teams leave. And they basically, the ACC has to protect their conference. They, they have to protect it because they saw what happened to the, to the, you know, to the Pac-12. I mean, I mean, am I crazy about the, the additions? Not really. I thought they should be more, more proactive and grab you know, the likes of Houston and who else? And I believe they did try to get Oregon, Washington, you know, those, those teams, Arizona, Arizona State, but they didn't want to come to the ACC for whatever reason, probably because of demographics, more convenient for the Big 12. But I don't know what's going to happen. It just is what it is. But FSU should take in mind that what's going on with the other conferences you know they may get they may get to the Big Ten and they may they may get forced to take reduced share of the revenue. But uh, at the end of the day, it's all about conference prestige and polls and whatnot. All right, so uh, let's get into some Steelers stuff now. Steelers are in the playoffs. We all know. I mean. They finished 10-7, and they should have had a better record than that. I mean, Mike Tomlin eventually came to his senses and got rid of Matt Canada. That was probably a smart move. Uh, Kenny Pickett got hurt. Mitch Trubisky wasn't any better because everybody was so hellbound giving Mitch, you know, Mitch a chance because they said that he only got five games. But the guy's been in the league for so long now. Like, he's been, I mean, six, five, six years now. I mean, he was a first-round pick. He just is who he is at that point. And we saw that. I do give the Mason Rudolph truthers a lot of credit. I, I gave them a lot, a lot of crap on Twitter. But they end up being right this time about Mason. Without without Mason, we, we're not in the playoffs. So I say kudos to you guys. I'll give you that. Now, it just it seemed like the offense, you know, Mason had a lot more command of the offense. 
it's just it, the offense just had a different energy with him in there than with even with Pickett in there. And of course, I said Kenny ain't ain't it. Just grab a clipboard and start a family. And of course, I was called a yinzer for that. I didn't want Kane to fail. I'm a Pitt fan. I love Kenny Pickett. But I'm also a Steelers fan as well. And if you're not performing, then you're not performing. And he what and he really wasn't. Especially I mean, I tweeted that after he played that hot hot garbage game against Cleveland. Which you ended up which which ended up winning 11, 11 games and going to the playoffs with Joe Flacco. But at the, at the end of the day, when you see other quarterbacks, you know, like Joe Flacco coming out of retirement and doing what he's doing, I mean, sometimes the Flacco we all know and love appears. But um, when you're a first-round pick, you're going to have a lot of stigma, a lot of criticism to go along with it for a long time. Uh, we didn't. Uh, ben Roethlisberger didn't have that because he came in, he came in and won right away. But at the same time, he had, let's see, he had Jerome Bettis, he had Deuce Staley. Uh, Jerome obviously was at the end of his career, but he was still a serviceable back. I mean, that 2004 season he played pretty well. Deuce, if it wasn't for injuries, I think Deuce would have had a better career, maybe Hall of Fame. I mean, he was a really good running back at one point. He was really good with the steers until he got hurt. I mean, Ben had a really good offensive line. He had Heinz Ward and Plaxico Burris, who um, Heinz will eventually be in the Hall of Fame. Plaxico could have been in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, it is what it is. But he went to the Giants and was a really good receiver. Uh, he eventually had Heath Miller, really good, really good tight end. Then there was Willie Parker. And, of course, he had a really good offensive line to work with. So Ben had pl- plenty of the two, you know, Ben had all, had already the pieces in place. I mean, the Corvette was already was already warmed up, and it was it was it was steep town and clean for him to come in there and drive it. But uh, in a lot of cases, first round quarterbacks were always going to carry some criticisms. I mean, look at uh, look at Lamar Jackson, for instance, when he came in the league. I mean. He takes the Ravens to the playoffs. People were like, ah, it was the defense. Then Lamar starts lighting it up. Then people are like, let's see what he does in the playoffs. And, of course, nothing's much has happened for him in the playoffs, but I'm sure if Lamar goes on a playoff run here, it's going to be, well, you can't win a Super Bowl, Super Bowl. You can't win a Super Bowl with him. Excuse me. I'm speaking too fast. Yeah, you can't win a Super Bowl with him. But what if he wins a Super Bowl? Then they'll say, oh, he only threw for two, 230 and two touchdown passes. The other team wasn't good. And that's just what's going to happen. I mean, Josh Allen, same thing. I mean, he had, he had a little flash and all of a sudden, nope. I mean, things are starting to go downhill for him. But, uh, yeah. So, until Kenny actually proves something, he's going to keep getting that criticism. 
and people are still going to point about his touchdown passes. But the offense looks a lot better. I think Najee Harris realizes he's a he's a north south type of runner, and he's just not built for the any other kind of running back. You know, Barry Sanders kind of type of game. So you know, Najee finally figured that out. Uh, George Pickens has gone better despite his you know the meltdown he had. Deontay Johnson is eh, but still. The team just played a lot better. Just seemed like the, the leadership on offense from the quarterback position was there. Mike Tomlin obviously pulls off another non-losing season, which people are still, you know, complaining about. You're going to have your detractors no matter what. I mean, Bill Cower. Bill Cower when he came to the Steelers won, won off the bat, and they people said at one point he won with those players, which he had, which he did have those players. And eventually, the well when the well went dry with the salary cap and everything, because you know we didn't have we didn't have the we didn't have the money to pay them. The losing season started to happen, and it got bad to a point where rumors of Cowher's personal life started springing up as well. So people always talk about how, the good old days, but Bill Cowher was was conservative as well at times. Very conservative. I mean, he, you know, he had a lot of his faults. You know, and for the longest time, we were, it was told he couldn't win the big one. And, you know, then he, he did win a Super Bowl and eventually all that was for, forgotten about. But, you know, his playoff record wasn't as rosy either. I mean, you could win more games, but Calvert supposedly had superior teams to, to the, uh, Teams he played against in the in those championship games, uh, Denver probably being the uh, well, yeah, Denver being one of them. They weren't superior then. I mean, they did beat Denver in the regular season, but you know, things were going to be different that second time. You know, and of course it was. Steelers could have won that game, but turnovers, and of course, Coward did put a lot of stock in the Cordell Stewart. I mean, he gave him five years. I mean, people are complaining about how Mike Tomlin passed on Brock Purdy for Kenny Pickett, but people don't talk about how you know people love to talk about how Mike Tomlin passed on Brock Purdy for Kenny Pickett, but Bill Keller passed on um He passed on. Um, he took T. Martin at 163 in the 2000 draft, number 163 pick, when Tom Brady was still on the board. So these coaches aren't perfect. They're going to have their faults. They're going to drive you nuts. But that's just how it is. But anyways, guys, I'm stopping here for today. Next podcast, I'll talk pit hoops. But I had to get all the football shit out of the way. Anyways, hell to pit. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.